Hello and welcome back to another episode of my podcast, Love Your Future Self. Today's guest is my best friend, Ashley Cordell. Ashley studied gerontology, the study of aging, at Miami University of Ohio. In this episode, we talk about the fear of aging, ageism, dementia, along with many other topics. I hope you guys enjoy and learn something new today. Welcome back. Hello to Ashley Cordell, my best friend. I'm so excited for you to be here and to talk to me about stuff. Hi, Blaze. Really excited to see you. I feel like it's been a while. (sighs) Yeah, I know. We haven't seen each other only through these tiny squares on our phone or on our computer, but at least we get to see each other to some extent. Yeah, very true. So like I said, you are one of my best friends and we have a very interesting origin story. Um, Would you like to explain how we've met and just give like a little background of our friendship? Sure. And uh, I'm interested to see how my interpretation differs from yours, because now that I'm thinking back on it, I don't know if we've ever talked about how we met before. Um, So from what I remember is even though Blaze and I went to school together, and so theoretically we knew of each other indirectly, um, I don't remember Blaze existing until I was a senior in high school. And so even though she was friends with a lot of my friends, I did not know of her until we had a virtual communication. I believe that I actually formally met Blaze through like a tagged Facebook post from a mutual friend of ours. Is that right, Blaze? Is that how you remember This it? is all correct information, and I love the formality of you telling this story. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm in, like, court right now, and you're accusing me of some crime. Yeah, but... well, it feels like a crime that we went to <laughs> Columbia and that I didn't know of your existence. How is that possible? I don't know, but it also feels like a crime, um, the photo and the just the way we met, because our mutual friend Cassandra was over at my house. We played soccer together and we were making a warm-up CD for our pregame. And I don't know why, but there was like candy on my desk and we like were joking how we were luring people to eat this candy. And she posted a picture of the candy on Facebook and like for some reason tagged you in it. And then literally that was the birth of our friendship. I remember the conversation leading toward somehow a white van. And and again, this is how I met Blaze. And I'm pretty sure we kind of formally met after that because I agreed to attend a girls soccer practice. And so I think that's kind of how I warmed up to you. But I remember that being like one of the first times that I actually recognized you. And I I don't know. It's very strange. And from then, I can't even remember how we started hanging out. You know, we just started uh, going random places, whether it was to like Target or something or walks in the park. I remember taking some of those, but just miscellaneous things. Yes, I remember what I like to call our first date. It was (laughs) you picking me up in your teal. I think it was a Corolla little yeah. teal Corolla and um, we went to a metro park and we walked around not knowing each other 
and it was basically our first date because we're in love with each other and something you should know about me and Ashley is that we have zero things in common and when I say zero I mean absolutely nothing in common except for our love and admiration for each other (laughs) and that's that's about it how we remain friends has been a mystery to both of us and something we converse about commonly and frequently yeah I'd I'd say that that's pretty accurate and I think it's really (laughs) funny because it's like come to be almost a running joke but it's not really a joke we joke about it but it's on the surface of things so true but I think it makes me realize that you don't need to have a lot of things in common with people to really connect with people and I think Mm -hmm. that that's one of the things that kind of happened with Blaze and I I mean there is really no sensical reason as to why the way that we started becoming friends is what formed our friendship and so I think that we've just kind of accepted the characteristics that we both have independently of one another and for some reason it just works for some reason that we may never understand. So yeah, that was your senior year, my junior year, which was eight years ago. Yeah. So yeah, we're eight years strong. I don't know what, like, I don't know if that's diamond or wood anniversary, but you know, we'll celebrate one of these days. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much how it started. Very creepy, very, but again, there's, I don't know how we didn't know of each other's existence, but it was a love story ever since. (laughs) Um, Do you remember your first impression of me? Do you remember the first time we met in person? Thinking back, I think it might have been an indirect way that I had met you the first time. Like I said, you were hanging out with basically all of my major friends as well. And I just remember uh, seeing this girl that I had never met before, but I thought that she was very just outgoing. And so even though I didn't know who you were, I felt like you were always encouraging other people to laugh, or at least I was always laughing, whatever you were saying, even though I didn't know you. And so I thought you were very like comical, but just very outgoing and like easygoing and obviously friends with a lot of people or at least you knew all of my people so yeah we still have that pretty much core group that we all hang out with which is great I love those weirdos hopefully I think some of them will be on at some point we like to refer to ourselves as the ducks so if you ever hear us referring to the ducks that is our friend group since high school and you I mean I met them in high school you guys have been friends forever Yeah, that's true. Uh, The ducks have grown. A lot of the people in this group who I've known since I was in preschool, talking four years old. (laughs) Well, I was a late addition to the ducks, but I feel at home. And I really didn't feel at home with any other friend group until I met this weird gaggle of, I don't know what a colony of ducks, I don't know what a group of ducks is called, but I like to refer to them as a gaggle. Anything creative would, I think, appropriately describe our group of individuals. (laughs) So another thing I like to ask people is to share, oh, I didn't even tell you my first impression of you. How could you forget, Blaze? (laughs) I don't want to cheat you of this experience. So my first impression of you was that you were very quiet, 
but very down to earth, much like me. And you're just very understanding and very patient. And you are pretty funny and you have a good sense of humor. And I think the one thing we do have in common is our sense of humor. I can say that. We have a very similar sense of humor. That's true. Or at least we're very tolerable of each other. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. God. <laughs> We can't, we can't cross that breach of having too much in common. Blame. Oh, we'll never cross that. <laughs> so before we dive into the main conversation, I always like to ask you, we can share one or two traits we admire about each other. Okay, I'll start. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think um, the biggest trait that I admire about Blaze is her strong sense of individuality. And I love how just unafraid and bold she is about being her own person and uh, always has been. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you, Ashley. That means a lot coming from you. The thing I admire about Ashley the most, there's so many things to choose from. I love how, like, again, you are the same way. You are very secure with yourself and you are so adventurous. And I just love that about you. Like your first plane trip was to California, to New Zealand. The first time you ever went on a plane and she's Louise. I don't think I could have the guts to do that. So I admire how adventurous you are. You're just always on the go. You're always planning your next trip, and I love that about you. And we've had several trips together that have been awesome. I love traveling with you. You're my favorite travel companion. We've just had a good time together. Yeah, I admire your bravery and your brain. You smart. Well, thanks, Blaze. That's very flattering. And I'm glad you brought up our travel adventures because I feel like that is something that we didn't bring up earlier and discuss that could be another commonality there. That is true. We do, like, you bring out a sense of adventure in me, um, and you're a good traveling companion because you're laid back. Like, when we went on that trip, it was me and my brother, who's older than me, who I don't really get along with. I mean, we have some things in common. I think I have more in common with my brother than Ashley, but (laughs) I think day one, we were at each other's throats, and Ashley was just kind of, like, sitting there and enjoying the view and not too concerned but you're my favorite travel companion. I was just thinking about how I think for you know since I went off to college and graduated from Columbia I think we've gone on at least one trip a year and this is the first year that that couldn't happen. We were supposed to go on that hiking trip in Hocking Hills with Mika but that got canceled. That would have been the last time that we could have uh done an adventure yeah that's an important part of friendship I think just trying to set some time away from work and whatever have you to really I mean I don't expect everyone to go on a cross-country trip with their best friend but just to put in some time you know even if it is just a hike for the day it's always nice to have that time with your friend well I think that we're coming up with some creative ways we've kind of transformed into doing at least zoom calls or we were doing yoga on the occasion. Yeah, we got to bring that back. Yeah, we do for everyone's sake. Truly. It was it was so cool to like have you, me, Mika and whoever else happened to hop in that week um and just you know, we didn't really talk or catch up. We were just doing yoga together virtually and it was fun. It was and it was very relaxing and just flexible. 
So I know at that time when we had started doing yoga, my schedule was even more crazy than it is today. Yeah. And so it was great to just have that time set aside to not only at least see my friends, even if we weren't talking, also to do something that was calming and just good for the soul. Yeah, and be able to actively set time for yourself. And I'll be like, crap, I told myself I was going to do this and then I didn't do it. But I feel like if you're in it with your friends and you're like, okay, we all actively have to be here at this time, it's a little more concrete. Oh, yeah, that accountability piece is huge. Mm -hmm. It definitely helps with me too. I'm much more inclined to do something if I know that other people are waiting for me yeah. than to just do it on my own time because sometimes my own time never comes. <laughs> yeah, it comes, but you rather, well, I would rather watch a movie, but. You know, Whatever. some of us would rather do that, but I'd rather just be sleeping. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's dive into some sort of conversation rather than muttering on like a bunch of schoolgirls. Um, so Ashley here is so smart, and she studied gerontology at Miami University of Ohio. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what gerontology is for the 90% of people who don't know what that word even is? Absolutely. I feel like that's always the starting point with me when I tell people what I do, uh, mm -hmm. whether that's people close to me or not close to me. So I went to school uh, not really uh, knowing what all the possibilities were for me as a career. And so when I first attended Miami, um, I was all over the place. I wanted to be a scientist. I wanted to study anatomy. I wanted to do pharmacy. I wanted to be an engineer. I just wanted to be everything. And quickly did I realize that that is physically impossible <laughs> for anybody, not just myself. And it really wasn't until my second year, really, that I was exposed to gerontology, which is a unique program that not a lot of universities have. So I happened to be at the right place at the right time, I'd like to say, um, because little did I know Miami University has a renounced gerontology program. And so gerontology, uh, in layman's terms, is the study of aging. And one common misconception that I always like to nip immediately is that oftentimes people assume that aging is only has to do with old adults. So, and everyone has their own perception of what they feel like is old, but I always get the dreaded, uh, why would you want to study that? Or, oh, I'm sorry, that sounds horrible or something of the like, you fill in the blank. However, um, through my studies uh, and through just my personal interest in working with older adults, I've come to realize that, you know, the truth is, is that we're all aging and aging is a process that starts from the time that you're born. And so I like to think about it in the big picture um, and that helps with combining a lot of my other interests. Like I mentioned before, I love studying anatomy. Um, I also have a biology degree from Miami. So I love being able to combine my interest in how the human body works with my interest in how the aging process happens. And so one of the very unique things about my two degrees is that 
Um, I was a lab scientist at one point, and then the social scientist in me came out when I studied gerontology. Uh, so I get to look at the aging process as a very high level process, which I think is extremely interesting. And so I believe that aging is not just about what happens within you on a biological basis. But now that I also have the social science experience, I look at aging from an environmental, uh, from a social, from a physical perspective, um, and biological. Uh, so even though my current role as a research assistant at Benjamin Rose Institute on Aging is a completely applied research role, and it's a social organization, um, I can bring the expertise from all different viewpoints uh, considering that I've been fortunate enough to study all those viewpoints and educate myself and others about what it means to age and how can we age gracefully and what does it mean to age in our society. And I can't think of a better job. Um, I'm very passionate about aging and I don't think there's a single person in my friend group that doesn't refer to me as the one who loves old people. So that is correct. Ashley so they're not wrong. People. They're not wrong. <laughs> Even though you don't have to be old to be aging, I have always had a particular interest in working with the older adult population. Maybe that's why we get along. Sometimes I feel like an old maid at heart. Yeah, maybe I see some of these traits <laughs> that I just love in older adults in you, and that's really what it is. I do get cranky sometimes. Yeah. So. Well, hey, that's okay. That's one of those ageism marks that I. That is true. So Same I was on hoping, me. I was hoping that I'd get an opportunity in this conversation to talk about ageism and how I think it's one of those isms in our society that are it kind is. of like thrown under the carpet. I think a lot of people do realize that ageism exists. However, I always like to point out that ageism can go both ways. So usually when we talk about mm -hmm. uh, being ageist, a lot of times it's reflective of older adults. However, it's just as uh, prevalent or common for a comment to be made to a younger generation like us millennials about someone uh, being ageist toward us and maybe yeah. our, our quote unquote laziness or what have you. Um, so ageism can go both ways. But I think it is one of those isms, like I said, that has yet to reach the same status as some of the other, you know, isms. So I wait for the day that ageism kind of takes center stage. And uh, I think we're getting there because I'll nerd out for a second here and talk about how the U.S. demographics is rapidly changing. And this is one thing you know, when people ask me, what possibly can I do with a career in aging? Well, our society is aging and it's aging rapidly. And actually it's a phenomenon that has happened in a few other countries, mainly in Europe, but uh, a lot of people don't realize that uh, we are experiencing a phenomenon in the US that we have never experienced before where a majority of our population is going to be age 65 and above. And that has been something that has never ever happened 
in the U.S. before, but it has happened in places such as Japan, which is known as being the oldest country in the world, followed hmm. by a lot of other European countries who have faced similar issues. So like countries like Germany, they're functioning on a society where the individuals who are considered dependents or those who aren't working, such as children and older adults, has outnumbered those who are working and contributing to things that we have in the U.S., like Social Security. Um, so I think that this is obviously a very silent issue currently, but it's only a matter of time before it really hits that we are going to face some of the same issues that we're seeing in other parts of the world. And one of the things that I am particularly interested in is international communication with aging um, and specifically dementia. That tends to be my little pocket in the field of gerontology. Um, but I believe that there's so much that we can and should be learning from other places. And I've made it a personal habit of mine to make sure that I'm up to date in literature but also looking for any possible opportunity I can to go visit these places um, on my own time. Um, I think we have a lot to learn and a lot of things that people don't realize that are about to happen and are already happening in our society. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know we were so old. We are. The median age, I think, of the U.S. has climbed to it's in the 40s now I don't know the exact number off my head um, but it's it's happening and it's happening now as you know as as we speak we are becoming an older society is it all so, those baby boomers that's part of it so the baby boomers are the generations that were born from 1946 to 1964 so that's one of the interesting phenomenons that are happening right now in the States is a lot of uh, the individuals that were born during that time period are now aging into the 65 plus category. So that is one reason why we're experiencing this flux in an increase in our um, age as a country. Um, however, there are a few other factors that contribute to this, one being that people are just living longer in general. And so the concept of old age is not new. There's always been old people. <laughs> that, let me just it's put just that on the table. Older people now. Yeah, there has always been old people. This is not a new thing. However, there, people are living to ages that um, just, you know, have weren't possible before and that's because of improvements in uh, technology improvements in healthcare. you name it I mean as the world evolves and changes uh, people are just living longer mm -hmm. um, and also people are having less babies than they were before we talked about that baby boom generation um, you know my grandma was in that and she had nine siblings you know, you just really don't see that as commonly anymore. You're, it's a big family if you have two kids, you know, a family of four is a very common sized family. So people mm -hmm. just aren't having kids like they used to, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. That's just how the world has changed. Um, but then people are living longer. However, not only are we living longer, but we're living longer with more chronic conditions. 
So, you know, when we're talking about living with diabetes or living with a cancer or living with some form of dementia, these are issues that weren't as prevalent when we weren't living so long. So we've kind of traded, you know, the inevitable longevity of our human species, but it comes with a lot of drawbacks. And so I think that's something that a lot of people fear about aging is all these possibilities that kind of come uh, with age and all these downturns and uh, negative uh, outlooks on aging. But I promise that there's a lot of positivity in it. And um, I just read a book not too long ago, actually, about the happiness advantage. And actually, individuals' happiness increases dramatically with age. Of course, numerous reasons or numerous just philosophies around why that is. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I've definitely heard that. And I feel like it's pretty valid because you talk about ageism going both ways. I feel like people, teenagers are supposed to act a certain way. People in their 20s are supposed to act a certain way. They're supposed to get jobs and get married and have babies. And there's like social parameters were expected to cash in by a certain age. And I feel like by the time you reach like maybe 40s or 50s, there's nothing really expected of you. So you're kind of a little more open to actually enjoy yourself and not really worry about too many other like social things. And, you know, I am not super worried about aging. I think I mean, I look at my mom and my grandma, and I know I'm gonna look good when I age. But I want to talk to you about, again, you mentioned dementia and Alzheimer's. I think in life, that's probably one of my biggest fears, to think about living your life without memories or without knowing and in constant confusion, like that a body is only a compilation of tissues and fat and muscle and like the brain is what runs the show, man. And if that goes, you're just a sack of flesh. And that's pretty frightening to think about. Yeah, and it it can be extremely daunting for people. And I think, again, that's one of the reasons why when I tell people what I do, I get that, oh, that's so sad because dementia is like my pride and joy. This is my topic of uh, love and interest. And I always like to remind people that dementia is not a normal part of aging. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes, like you said, people associate getting old with getting dementia. And that's just not the case. While dementia is becoming a more prevalent symptomology that people experience, it is not something that is experienced by the common person. Mm -hmm. And always dementia also is just a very broad symptomology uh, for a number of different diseases. So when you think of dementia, you really have to think broad scale. There are more than 80 different types of dementia, at least that I know about, and I'm no seasoned expert by any <laughs> That's means. That's 79 more than I knew about. Yeah, well the most prevalent one you th already threw out, I think, was Alzheimer's disease, and that's really what I think is becoming the new buzzword. And that's because that really is the most common form of dementia. It's thought that somewhere between 
60 to 80 percent of known cases of dementia is actually Alzheimer's disease. However, given this information, we still have a long, long way to go as a society in terms of one, getting proper diagnoses, and two, limiting the stigma that's associated not only with aging, but aging with dementia. But I think the more that we talk about, the more that we know, the more that we accept about dementia and Alzheimer's disease, the more people are going to be, one, looking for support and accepting of support. And so I think we have a long way to go as a society. But again, it's not something that's a normal part of aging. And if anything, um, I think that we're starting to see a lot of gears turning in terms of creating age and dementia-friendly initiatives. And so I know that there's numerous cities just in Ohio who have started or are not already considered to be age and dementia-friendly. And one exciting thing that I get to work on uh, currently is making Cleveland Heights a dementia-inclusive community. And so Cleveland Heights is where my organization is headquartered. And so I think that's one of the reasons why that's on our radar, but also Cleveland Heights just has a lot of really great resources that allow it to be quote unquote dementia inclusive. And what that means is that it's a community where members are not only trained on what it means or what it looks like to have symptoms of dementia, but then how to function in a community that really values those individuals and wants them to be part of the community. And so talking about things like that, I think we're going to start seeing in the very near future more learning opportunities, more training opportunities, and hopefully just more inclusive communities and an understanding that a diagnosis with dementia does not have to be as daunting as it's perceived to be. So I think the more that we can educate one another, the better we can be at supporting not only ourselves and our loved ones, but our aging population. I mean, just that's the fact of the matter is we're only getting older and uh, the prevalence is only going to become greater. So at what point are we going to start acknowledging some of these diseases that are more prevalent um, as we become an older society? And I think one thing to point out, too, that's super important through this whole thing is that becoming older or becoming older with a chronic condition, whether that's dementia or something else, doesn't mean that who you are has actually changed. So one thing that I did when I was teaching an undergrad level course on gerontology was basically Aging 101, was I had my students do an exercise where I asked them to write a paper about themselves being 80 years old. And so mind you, these are mostly college freshmen. And I asked them to think about how they would see themselves when they were 80. And the reality is, is that most of the papers that I read had three common themes in them. You know, when people are 80 in, in the US, we want our independence. And that doesn't really change, you know, our whole lives. We're a very independent society, so that's really not surprising. 
But when we're 80, we still want to be independent. We want to do what we want to do, and we don't want to be a burden on other people. The second thing was our social relationships. You know, whether that's keeping relationships with friends, or maybe when we're 80, we're envisioning having grandchildren. And again, that's no different than who we are as a person today and who we will be as a person down the line. And the third thing that I think a lot of people lose focus of is when we're 80, we wanna be doing the same things that we're already doing today, that we're doing right now, even me in my 20s. When I'm 80, I wanna be traveling. When I'm 80, I wanna be learning. I wanna be on a Zoom call talking to my friend. You know, I want to be doing the same things that I'm doing today, and that's regardless of what comes down the road in the future. And you can't predict these things, but I think we also, as a society, have a tendency to not uh, think about these things very often because we find them to be daunting. Um, But as I just read to you, those three things are things that we already do. And so thinking about our future and reminding ourselves that we are going to be the same person might help kind of bouncing off that like you know my grandma's 81 and this is probably the past couple of years the happiest i've ever seen her she has um you know a boyfriend and she's been married twice widowed twice but she has a boyfriend now like she's traveling and she has ducks my grandma and her ducks man It's something I think about every time I see her, like how happy she is at the age of 80. And she never seems like an 80-year-old in my eyes. Because again, she looks good and she's having fun and she has someone in her life that she loves and her family that loves her. And she is my icon for an 80-year-old woman. Uh, I want to be Lois when I grow up, someone who's able to still have a good time and still go on bike rides and be physically active and I think that's so great. And, you know, like you said, aging is a gift, man. It's not guaranteed to everybody out there. And I think, yeah, it's a stigma to have a fear of it and to get older, but it's truly a gift at the end of the day, every day on this planet, you know? So to just have that goal of no matter how old you are, find something that makes you happy, find something that keeps you active. Ashley and I are going to have a beach house to ourselves um, at the bright young age of 75, I'm hoping for, fingers crossed, and we're going to have, you know, timeshares and different countries, like vacation homes, but, you know, I don't like to plan ahead, but that's where I see myself. (laughs) Hey, nothing wrong with thinking about the future. I mean, I did just tell you how important it is to do so. Yeah, wrapping up kind of what Blaze just said about her grandma and everything and how she aspires to be just like her, you know, that's just keeping in mind again that aging is what you do today is going to impact how you age tomorrow and how you age into an 80-year-old grandmother. And so one thing that I always talk to people about, even though I'm not a doctor, I like to throw that out there. Everyone always asks me for medical advice. (laughs) But uh, the importance of brain health, you know, it comes down to just four very simple things, which feed into, I think, a lot of just lifestyle choices in general. But people always say, how can I prevent, you know, getting dementia? Well, there is no 100% way to 
avoid such a thing just because there's so much complexity and some of it is genetics. However, a very large portion of your prevalence for getting dementia is based on environmental factors or things that are in your control most of the time. And so the four things that I always like to highlight about having brain health and kind of gearing yourself up to living a very long and happy life is having a physical activity of some sort. And so having a hobby that just keeps you moving. Um, it's so true. You, either you use it or you lose it, especially if you end up developing some form of dementia. So the more that you're doing now in a young age, those are the things that are never going to go away. And that's even if something like Alzheimer's disease impacts your life later on. And so the importance of social interaction. I mean, my heart breaks now for the individuals that I used to go see on a regular basis in um, the care homes that I worked in. They've been on lockdown since the beginning of COVID. And I've had an extremely heartbreaking conversation with one of my colleagues that I was working with right before the pandemic hit and how many residents that she has lost since I last stepped foot in that building. And I'm not talking loss about due to getting COVID. I'm talking about loss because of social isolation. Social isolation can legitimately cause death. And it has because of this pandemic. Uh, so the importance of just being social and having social relationships is number two on my factor for brain health. The third one that we always talk about is nutrition. Everyone talks about a healthy diet. You have to eat well to be well, and that's true for your brain. Um, eating foods that are very high and dense in nutrition and vitamins is extremely important. And the final thing is to just continue to use your brain in ways that you typically don't use it. So that doesn't have to be doing Sudoku puzzles if numbers and math isn't your thing. It could be learning how to read music. It could be learning how to play a new sport. It can literally be anything that you're interested in. So you don't have to sit around doing brain puzzles all day thinking that this is the key to making sure that my brain mass doesn't you know, lose its um, capacity on me. It can just be picking up a different hobby or reading a book that you've never read before. Just something super simple, but making sure that you stay active physically, socially, and mentally. It's all extremely important to our healthy brain. And ultimately, our brain is what keeps us functioning and uh, interacting as people. Yeah. And like the whole reasoning behind this podcast is to talk about healthy ways to, you know, I talk a lot about anxiety and stress and all of those four things that can help prevent dementia helps keep you sane today. You need to do those things on a daily basis just for your sanity today. You don't need to be looking forward. Again, gerontology is the study of aging. She's not just talking about old people. She's talking about us right now and things we can do to really help ourselves in the future. So I think that's great that you brought those four things up because we're all trying to figure out day-to-day -day life, not just worry about what we're going to be doing at 80, you know? 
Exactly. Now more than ever, people aren't thinking yeah. about themselves as 80. <laughs> We're just trying to get through the day. And again, those four things, I'm glad that Blaze brought it back down to that. It's what we can all be doing. You know, like I said, I have a very soft spot in my heart for my um, older individuals, but the reality is, is these are skills and these are things that all of us should be considering. It's a very personal experience and we're all individuals in this weird planet. So yeah, finding that individual experience that helps you get through whatever is bothering you is definitely important. Something that will continue to be important, continue to be challenging no matter how old you get. So exactly no matter how old you are everyone has and needs a purpose in life mm -hmm. so whether whether you find that early or it changes multiple times it doesn't matter so whatever your purpose is and whatever fuels your purpose that's what you got to do anything else you wanted to cover today i'm pretty sure i dumped all of my <laughs> my high level knowledge on everyone and hopefully haven't put everyone to sleep but <laughs> <laughs> yeah I felt like I was in that gerontology 101 class uh -huh. with Miss Cordell at the top of course sometimes my my mini professor comes out but I just can't help myself <laughs> because once you get me going I'll think of something else to spill out yeah you're my best friend but we don't talk about your job or really like have this kind of conversation about what you actually study and like what you actually have knowledge about we're talking about boys or like, our next trip or mm -hmm. you know whatever but I think this was great and I'm glad you shed some knowledge on the old people and the young people and everything in between absolutely I'll fight for equality and um, ages as a career <laughs> yeah as you should ageism is real you know working at the golf course I meet many old white men mm -hmm. and they're they all act the same age which is I don't know what it is but it's not as mature as me so yeah <laughs> no matter how old or young they are that's uh, age is nothing but a number and maturity is the real deal mental maturity yeah yeah gotta look for that is the, are we <sighs> getting into like it. dating advice at this point where's that <laughs> Uh, we don't need to dive in the dating world, Ashley. We've already had no. so many conversations, and we've gotten nowhere. Well, you've and gotten we, somewhere. We we decided long ago, Blaze, don't you remember, <laughs> that we're both cut from the same cloth, and it's not relationship material? That's right. <laughs> that is right. We need to get those matching tattoos. <laughs> Yours will say, um, cut from the same cloth, and mine will say, not relationship <laughs> yeah. material. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> all right uh, that, that'll be our next um adventure in progress since we're yes. kind of in a lull with planning the next one so it looks like that's got to be the next one yeah <laughs> we've been talking about getting matching tattoos for years and i, I think know i'm still highly interested in the giraffe on the side yes, the giraffe i think about that one on a regular basis actually i think about how my mom hates tattoos and there's no other tattoo that would please her than to have it written on her daughter's skin not relationship material <laughs> i can't think of something that would make my mom more proud oh yeah 
I mean, she's already disinterested. I can't imagine that just being the icing on the cake. She would probably put me up for an adoption at the ripe young age of 24. Uh, well, at least you're old enough now to take care of yourself. <laughs> anyway, that is my favorite quote of our friendship. I think it's a great quote. I don't know how we came up with it. I think it was a mutually thing. But Well, share your quote that isn't that quote. So my quote, and I found it recently, I kind of fluctuate between different sayings that I like and I like to pick out different sayings based on you know whatever I'm thinking about or feeling at that time in my life Uh, but my most current quote that I have on my wall um, is by a French painter and Mm -hmm. it says love your foreign men I do that's another weakness (laughs) of mine maybe that's why I am so connected to this quote because I know that it's from a foreign man but that's probably it But anyway, he said, blessed are they who see beautiful things in humble places where other people see nothing. And I think that that really embodies where I see myself and in my career choice and my decisions to do certain things or elope to foreign places for months at a time and come home. And uh, just my drive for adventure. And, you know, when I think about this quote, I think about the beauty that I get to see in working with the population, um, those individuals living with dementia, and how a lot of people would run or shudder or like completely close the door on that opportunity. And I find it to be the most rewarding, the most exciting like just the most humbling experience and I get to call that my career. Oh, that is so cute. That's why I love you, kiddo. It is so adorable. This is a quote you're gonna love because I looked up quotes about aging. Oh. Um, so this is by the one and only Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, yeah. I already know this quote. Oh yeah. Beautiful young people are accidents of nature, but beautiful old people are works of art. Oh, okay. You actually threw a curveball at me. That's not (sighs) the one I was thinking of. What was the one you were thinking of? She also said, and I might get this word for word not correct, but something along the lines of... Paraphrasing. Today is the oldest we've ever been and the youngest we'll ever be again. Something like that. I have heard that as well. Yeah, she also has said that. So apparently she's got a few aging quotes out there. She's a wise lady. I mean, she knows her stuff. Anyway, take that quote as you will. Ashley, thank you again for doing this. I love talking to you, period, about old people as well. um, If the conversation goes to it, which today's did, luckily. So thank you. I hope some people learn some things. Thank you, and I hope they do too. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of my podcast. Feel free to leave a review or reach out to me on Instagram at L-Y-F-S podcast. Tune in for another episode next Thursday. Love your future self.